Sit. You have ten minutes to complete your midterm. Midterm? But, but I haven't studied. Well, even I studied, and I'm dead. Forgot your clothes, too? <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Margo, hey, whoa! I swear I was gonna study. What? No, no, it's, it's me. It's actually me. Oh, God, I'm asleep. Uh, yeah, you must not be in imminent danger if you're napping wherever you are. Kidnapped along with the entire castle. Yeah, I know, there's a crater. Where are you? Loria. Some canyon with these purplish rock things. Rock things? Dicks. Okay, they look like dicks. Uh, full sail or half? Honestly, it's a variety pack out there. Okay. Uh, you got it, I'll find you. And Penny? If you ever tell anyone you saw this... Ooh, oh, no, 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 I'd never. I, uh, I'd much rather have you owe me huge. I think that's the right move right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, welcome back, everyone, to Physical Kids Weekly, a weekly podcast about everything The Magicians. This week, we're talking about episode 206 of the sci-fi TV series. It's called The Cock Barons. Danny had a family event this weekend, so free trader Dominic Tyler is back to fill in for her. Welcome back, Dom. Thanks. I'm so glad that you guys asked me to be back. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming. Um, I also have a really quick announcement I want to make for all of our listeners. Jade Taylor, who plays Katie on the show, she's going to join us next week to talk about episode 207, Plan B. So if you have any questions you want us to ask Jade, send them to us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, on Twitter, we're at Physical Kid Weekly. Um, so that's kid, no S, and then weekly is W-K-L-Y. Um, I'll put it on the site and everything all right um so let's get started dom what did you think about this episode i it was weird it was a it was a mix of filler almost but it also sent got the story going on three different like storylines i don't know it was it was weird but it was good and i liked it it just yeah there's just a lot happening I think I agree with you. I, you know, I generally don't like the episodes that are quite so fillery. <laughs> I'm going to make that joke all season. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I felt like I felt like this was a good place in all of those plot lines. It, it was moving. It felt like everything moved along, um, and I felt like it ended on a really strong note for um, most of the plot lines that we saw. Um, but especially like the, especially the like Quentin Alice plotline and the um, Elliot Margot plotline, I thought. Yeah, I was really happy with the way that it ended, and I'm glad that they're choosing to uh, take some things from the books and implement them a little bit early as a way to keep Olivia around or keep Alice around um, a little sooner. It would be nice if there was a little bit more time for him to kind of understand his emotions and <laughs> uh, figure things out without Alice. But I also like that that story is moving forward and we're getting into a lot of those big, important plot lines. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit more. I want to play a clip really quick. Um, so that's this one right here. I cast the Niffin summoning and you didn't come. How? Why? You're wrong. I was right there. She's so creepy. Oh, Quentin. Oh, I know. We're gonna have so much fun. You can tell. Just she's like a lot we did with movies. my parents. 
My Keiko demon? Your Keiko demon wasn't powerful enough to kill me. It tried, but when it saw that it couldn't win, well, let's just say it stuffed me in a place most convenient. That stupid tattoo trap on your back. We're stuck with each other. So creepy. All right. So first thing I have to say is not three episodes ago on this podcast, Olivia lied to us. <laughs> she <laughs> lied. <laughs> um, and I, I cannot I, I mean, believe she would do that. <laughs> uh, you know, she really pulled it off well. So she's got some pretty good acting chops there. <laughs> um, Man, that's that's her that's her job is just to lie, lie to <laughs> and just tear at our emotions yeah i mean i want to be clear and i think this is you know this is what you're getting at too like i really love olivia's alice and i i actually thought the illusion charm scene um between quentin and the like alice slash emily in the last episode i thought that was one of the best things about that episode but i'm really really sad to lose the long arc of quentin having to face what he's lost from the books and I don't know that, right? Like, I don't know that we really can do what you were talking about. I don't know that we really can see, like, the full weight of his growth if she's a constant presence in his life that is, like, physically manifested, that he's seeing and interacting with. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, I have to agree because a big part of the books is, oh, at least um, The Magician King, is that. Alice isn't there the entire book. He talks yeah. about her a lot and he thinks about her and a lot of his actions have to do with um, almost how he's reacting still to to her death. And even in the, even though in the books his Keiko demon did, isn't the thing that killed her, it's still um, something that he thinks about. And I think it's tough in a TV medium to get that across and also have because I'm sure Olivia has a full season contract and so she has to be in this many episodes and it's there's a lot of things that they have to take into account and it just I it would be a little bit more impactful if she was in less even though I love Olivia and it's just a, no. <laughs> it's such I a mean, hard balance. This is what I felt about um episode 204, the one right after she dies. Mm-hmm. Um it was <sighs> That was such a powerful episode and so emotional and just, I mean, ripped at your heartstrings in every single way. You really got to see all of that sort of raw pain that Quentin was feeling and that other characters were going through too, right? Like, I think Margot's whole tough girl attitude thing that she sort of came through with in that episode, like, you know, we weren't even her friend, like, stop with all this bullshit. Um... I think that was really important, and I, I feel like that's going to go away. I don't know. Did you see the promo for the next episode? I did. Right. So I'm really excited about this episode. Heist things are like, I, I love them. Heist movies are like <laughs> my guilty pleasure whenever I feel really shitty. I think um, after our after our dog died um, a year and a half ago, we rented four heist movies to watch that weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So like, they're definitely a thing that I really, really like, but there was this clip in that of, um, Alice being like, yes, rob a bank. And I was just sitting there like, like, Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I just kept feeling like, this is like, this is too much. She's too much part of the fabric of their world. It's too, too much casual Alice. Yeah. To really feel her death. Yeah. 
But I don't know. And Maybe they'll pull it off. Yeah, exactly. And, like, how she's just casual. I mean, we'll figure it out, obviously, when the show airs. But, like, how she's just kind of casually talking to Q. And, yeah. I mean, it was funny. Don't get me wrong. Because I loved her just being like, oh, my God, yes. Like, yeah. let's rob a bank. But I don't – maybe she can't hurt him because if he dies, she goes because she's in his uh, Kigo Demon tattoo or I don't know what. But we'll figure it out next week. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like – yeah, I think you're right that it is really funny. I just hope that we're not sacrificing what I think are some really important and deep plot points in the book in exchange for funny. Oh, my God. I can see I your agree. cat in the background. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, anything else about uh, this particular scene, about, like, Alice coming back that you really wanted to get out? Yeah, I just, I'm also really glad that the Keiko Demon never really killed Alice. I was really, the way that fans were talking, the way that everything seemed to come across, I was like, no, like, I don't think so. I was like, there's absolutely no way, because if the, especially in the books, when Alice's Niffin killed Martin... Mm-hmm. And then, but the Keiko demon, he really just kind of like ate it. Like it was so easy. Like if the Niffin's so powerful yeah. that, you know, I was scared it was going to, the show were going to have like quasi Niffins where yeah. they were like powerful, but they're not, you know, so I'm glad that they kind of kept true to it's pure magic. It's, you know, your Keiko demon couldn't affect it at all. The only thing yeah. you can do is trap it. I agree with you. I'm still confused about what, what like, there was a body when Alice died. <laughs> there was a body. Yeah, that was super confusing. <laughs> and I um, don't know if maybe that was just her actual, like, I don't, I don't know, because her actual body burned away. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it was Niff and Alice, <clears throat> Niff and Alice making a prank <laughs> and trying to kind of mess with them and be like, oh, oh yeah, I'm dead so that this episode could happen. So she could be like, haha, just kidding. And I don't know. I do like that idea. I like the idea of like, well, because uh, like Niff and Alice... To the extent that we, like, get to see Alice as a Niffin in the books, she's basically, right, like, she's, Niffins are pure magic, but I also get the impression that they are pure anger. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, just blind rage all the time, and I like the idea that she would do basically anything to, to hurt people to that fuck she with loves. Them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's... I think one thing that is maybe interesting and good about getting to see her more while she's a Niffin um, is, is getting to see that part of it and getting to see like how much her personality transforms and get used to that Mm -hmm. so that it's not just exposition later. Right. Like, right. And like, it's nice because it'll be in the books. You see everything from Quentin's point of view. And then when stuff in the magician King or when stuff in the magician land happens, Alice is very angry and, you know, whatever. But you kind of, you get why, but also it, a lot of it seems very unwarranted. So I feel like because we're seeing Alice so much, a lot of her anger and stuff we'll see will be, we'll understand it more and we'll understand why she's so angry. Um, Even should certain plot lines from the end of the third book (laughs) happen, they had. We'll kind of get it more. Those plot lines had better happen. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but those plot lines had better happen, or I'm going to be really cranky. So. <laughs> <laughs> that book is my favorite. Sorry, it's. I agree. The third one, attached. I think, is my favorite as well. I really love Plum, and I hope that yes. she shows up 
at some point. <laughs> I hope she shows up, and I hope they cast Danny for it. So. <laughs> that was, That's what and, she wants. And yeah, she talks about that, but I I can also see it. Like a lot of people yeah. are like, "Oh, I wish I could do this," but I could see Danny being plum. So yeah, yeah someone I get that to happen at least as like a cameo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> hear that, magicians, creators. You know us. You love us. <laughs> um, help a brother out. Yeah, yeah. Help, help, help a brother and two sisters out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> help the magician's family out. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that's Alice. I promised Danny that we would talk about. Um, I really love this term. What she called domestic wickoff. Yeah. Um, so this is just like Let's all of. Talk about. Yeah, all of, like, Julia and Katie in their shared apartment being adorable. Um, I got a little... Katie grocery shopping? Yes, yes. I got a clip of, like, uh, Katie coming back from the grocery store, so I'll play that really quick. Hey. Hey. Uh, I mixed up your dose. It's on the counter. (sighs) To all the heroin I am not taking. Cheers. Mm. Did you get the pickles? (laughs) I just love that so much. They're so cute. <laughs> Drink that pickle juice. I'm so glad that that's something Julia wants. It's always pickles. In every freaking... I feel like pickles is a trope as much as pregnancy is a trope. Like, pregnant you know, women I mean, liking or pickles. Or, like, pickles and mustard. Like yeah, it's always or ice cream. And, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, when my mom was pregnant, she ate uh, popcorn and ketchup. Yeah, I think when my mom was pregnant, she ate fruitcake. So. Yeah, like... I don't know why everyone always goes to, like, salty, like, vinegary stuff, but whatever. <laughs> um, I did really love the scene, though. And it's, it's such a small thing, but I think it, it says so much about their relationship. I don't know that, I, that in the entire show we've seen Julia be that comfortable with anyone the way that she is with Katie. Yes, and I, and I agree. And I think that she feels – that's how she used to be with Quentin. But since everything's happened, that's not something that she can – feel as much with him anymore which i get and i understand but it's nice to have her have a female friend as like woman solidarity you know we're here for (laughs) each other we're gonna do as much as we can for each other even as much as i wish they would fall in love even if they don't even as just two women being friends i love that the way the relationship is portrayed yeah i i really agree with that and i think like i'm seeing more and more every every single episode where we see the two of them, I see, I see the potential for it to go either way, and I really think that it's being done in a way that makes sense and is really respectful. So, like, if they ended up together, I feel like it feels natural at this point. It would feel perfectly natural for them to stay friends, but it also would feel perfectly natural for them to become something more. Yes. Um, I also, I have to say, I was really skeptical of the Julia pregnancy storyline in the last episode. It, it rubbed me the wrong way, but I think that it's starting to unfold in really interesting and and cool ways. Like what happened to Julia in the books was really was really fantastic. I I really love the Magician King. I think it it takes this character who you don't think is going to be that interesting, who you know is like two scenes in the first book and turns her into this incredible and rich person. Um, so yeah, like when I saw the pregnancy storyline, I was like, Oh, are you freaking kidding me? 
Yeah, I agree. I was like, oh, please don't do this. And I I was scared in the finale of season one that it was going to happen because of the way she was clutching her stomach after everything Mm -hmm. happened. And I was like, oh, but then I forgot about it because as season two unfolded, I was like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's not going to happen. And then it happened. And I was like, "Uh." but I am I do like the way it's pushing the story forward and. Yeah. How we and got I hacks like, and packs in. And <laughs> <laughs> I really like that the show is adding context to the Reynard mythos, too. Um, so I, I, li- I was listening to a different Magicians podcast a while ago, um, and they started talking about Reynard raping Julia as though it was something he was doing for her because he knew it would make her more powerful, which made me really mad because it kind of sounded like it was uh, yeah. almost a good thing. But one yeah. of the things I really like about this episode and those scenes between, I think her name is Dana, the other head witch. Dana, yes. Yeah, for me, it really puts that interpretation to rest. Like, Reynard is just a rapist. He's not going around trying to make women more powerful. He's trying to have dominion over them. He's trying to, I mean, he's to terrorize them like any rapist. And if they become powerful, it's it's really just a side effect. And from Dana's story, it sounds like it's a pretty inconvenient one for him. So I really like that they're sort of getting rid of the possibility of the, like, Reynard is doing this for Julia, like, in some yeah. weird, beneficent way. I really like the fact yeah. that that, like, that interpretation is gone. You can't have it. <laughs> well, the <clears throat> and the only way I can see that is... Is and no, I don't mean any disrespect to Lev or anything, but in the books, that's almost kind of how it seems because the reason that they had summoned Reynard was to be more powerful. And at the last minute in the books, Julia, mm. there wasn't any warning signs. Julia realized of her own volition, you know, I don't need this. I all I really wanted was my own family and friends and place to do magic, which she got at Murs. And the reason that she was sacrificed was sacrificed. I thought i mean i haven't read uh that scene uh, recently because it's it's a hard scene to read but it seems very much like he's doing it because they summoned him to get more powerful and this is his way of doing it because when she explains it she feels the power going through her and she can feel herself getting more powerful but she also feels her shade being taken away in the yeah, books, that's not that's, that's sort of loss of her humanity. Um, yes. I understand what you're saying. I, I actually, I don't entirely. But dis- I'm glad that the show's not doing that. I, I don't <laughs> entirely <laughs> agree with your interpretation of the books, though. I, I gotta say, so yeah. um, I think that right, like I think they started on this search for power, right? Like these were a lot of headwitches who were clearly like they were bitter over the fact that magic had been denied to them, but I think. One of the things that I felt was that, like, the closer they got to trying to summon Our Lady, the more it seemed to be an actual spiritual experience for them. It seemed to be more like, right, because there's that ex- there's that scene where, I actually, I don't remember, was it Asmo or was it one of the other characters who, like, goes into the cave and finds the, the dude who's, like, the sort of prophet, um... And is healed by him. I mean, it's it's Katie in the TV show, but I don't remember who it is yeah. in the books. I think it is Asmo in the books because it's a it's a scar on her stomach, right, or something that's totally healed or something like that. That's oh my gosh! <laughs> so I I couldn't find it again, but when I watched one of the early episodes, I think the second episode, the first few times, I thought that there was a scar on Jade's stomach in one of the scenes. And then I went back and I couldn't find it. 
Now I'm going to have to go look and see again if, like, maybe <laughs> that's the case. <laughs> now that we know that Katie's asthma, I got to yeah. g- get Maddie on it. Hunt, hunt me a gift. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, the uh, questing beast is... <laughs> Never mind. I don't know where that metaphor was going to go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I do understand what you're saying. It is, and though. I, I'm happy with it. I, not sorry? that I love that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But not that I love that that's how it seems in the books, but it just, for some reason when I read it, it always comes across as he's he's not killing Julia because she's, I don't remember, I don't remember. When I, I, when I read it last, I remember being like, oh, that makes sense. But thinking about it, I don't remember how logically. No, I mean, I think I get what you're saying, right? Like, I think he, he did know that they wanted power, right? And yeah. I think he made a, trade with her i don't think he was doing it right like exactly. i don't think that he was doing it for her right like he was like you or have to, to sacrifice something right yeah. he was like you have to sacrifice something and for her at that point it wasn't about power it was about saving her friend's life um I agree. and he also didn't really right, like, even though she did become more powerful and in the books i think it is clear that he knew she would become more powerful I don't think he ever intended that to be a good thing for her. And he didn't give her a choice about it, right? Like, she is not asking for more power at that point. She just wants her friend to get out alive. And frankly, she thinks she's going to die. And I think that's what she wants. So I still think, I still see it in the books as him doing something that she doesn't want. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very glad about this episode, just kind of like taking away the possibility of, of viewing this as him doing her any kind of favor. Yeah. And like in last season, I remember uh, through at least the first half of the season, really liking Julia's storyline more and being more interested Mm -hmm. in what how she was learning magic outside of a institutionalized kind of situation. Because I always was like, you know, if I found out magic was real and I could do it, I I would do anything I could to figure it out. Like I totally understand where she's coming from. And towards (laughs) the beginning of this season, I was like, okay, I want to see more of what's happening in Fillory, more of what's happening, well, you know, with Quentin and everybody. But this was the episode where I kind of started being like, okay, yeah. like, I'm back. Yeah, they're on, really starting to turn it around. Happening with Julia. Yeah, and see what's <laughs> going on over there. Yeah. And I mean, I think their dynamic is just so, so compelling that it, it really draws you to the screen. I felt that in the last episode, too. I felt like. I didn't. I didn't necessarily want to be watching Julia's storyline, but the the scenes between Katie and Julia were really great. Yeah, and then and I think it's on purpose because the next episode, I'm pretty sure they're all together. So yes. it's like, uh, which I really like because it keeps everything very intertwined, and yeah. you know, it keeps everything fresh. Yeah, and and we're gonna get to see some hijinks, which I'm excited about. So. Yes. Me too. <laughs> you see that magic whip. I oh, did see the magic that. whip, which I, as soon as I as soon as I watched that, I was like, "Yeah, of course, of course, the people protecting banks are freaking magicians." Yeah, right. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a secret magician bank, like was, how they get all oh, the like money. Oh, like <laughs> Yeah, or like, not, but like, because they always talk about how like there's hidden hidden like funds somewhere, like when Quentin went oh, to Plaxico. Right. Like, so maybe it's like a secret like break bills. Uh, bank or something like that you know so who knows maybe it is maybe it is i also just like to think that like i kind of like the idea of like the world economy being run by magicians yeah right you almost feel like it would have to be to prevent people from like 
looking like like for looking for magic like the the capitalist economy would be a great a great like <laughs> giant illusion charm like let's just create this like shitty competitive system that you have to be part of in order to uh in in order to like live your life and just get everybody like competing for money and then they won't think about the fact that there's magic in the world right yep i agree <laughs> but not for me i'm always going to be looking for the magic <laughs> yep, that's what makes us hedge wishes the best. <laughs> it's communism. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Though they, I do they do sort of say, yeah. Um, I loved the poop emoji. <laughs> I love that Katie sent it to Julian that text. I was like, you know, if anything's going down, let me know or whatever. And then Boop. when she did the little burn thing on the wall. That Katie, that was like a signal for that somehow Katie was like, okay, something's happening. She's this way. Let me battle magic myself through this wall. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that too, though. I kind of feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just my friends, but I don't feel like you say the word and then do the emoji. I feel like you just use the emoji. <laughs> and I feel like this is like, they, they went over to Arjun and they're like, you seem like you're cool. How do you use an emoji? And he's like, fuck it. I hate emojis. Just, you know, throw it wherever. Yeah, just one on at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked though, did you see, it might've been the magician's writer's room, but like one of the magician's Twitter accounts um, tweeted that they had like uh, equal opportunity poop emojis. They had a oh. like feminine <laughs> poop emoji that they were like looking at for a while, like a girl power poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and it's funny. Cause I think stuff like that, cause they have to design their own because if they'd have to pay like probably yeah, a crazy amount of money to use the actual poop emoji. So they have to change it like a certain amount so that they can use their own to use. So I, I, I did see the like the girl one, and I assumed that was the one they used, but when I rewatched the episode, it's not. So I'm like, no, it just looks like the regular know. one. <laughs> um, okay, I want to talk about Elliot and Margot. I kind of feel like I say Elliot and Margot, but I kind of feel like Margot because she pretty much stole the show in like every single scene that they had. And we were talking about this beforehand, and I was having so much trouble figuring out which clip to play. Which one was your favorite, Dom? Oh, you know, I think <laughs> I think declaring war was actually right, yeah. my favorite part. Yeah, I think that was legit actually legitimately my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what Danny said too. So um here we go. Margot, please. You fucked with us. Mm -hmm. Yes, you did. You fucked <laughs> with our castle. Amen, sister. And now we're gonna put our Jimmy <laughs> shoes so far up your ass you're gonna taste next season. Exactly. <laughs> because the High King and I hereby declare war on the kingdom of Loria. Yes. Wait. <laughs> really? <laughs> high kings are not supposed to be that clueless, Elliot. <laughs> you gotta pay yeah, attention right? when the High Queen is like, fuck it, war. War is declared. But You gotta just be like, you know what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, war! <laughs> Today we fight! Um, yep. Yeah, I love this scene. Do not fuck with the High Queen. Don't do it. Uh, this entire episode, Margot was killing it. Her yeah, she was phenomenal. The way she was talking to Prince S was killing it. <laughs> she, she, 
did steal the show this episode, I think. her All of her parts were the best. Summer knocked it out of the park this episode. Yeah, you know, I was thinking um, when we had Olivia on, she had, right, she kept talking about how Summer has all these really great Margot lines and it just like this anger comes out of nowhere. And this episode was the first one where I really, really felt it. Um, I loved the way, I loved, I mean, I loved a lot of things about this. I did feel, one thing I want to mention, I felt a little bit weird about some of the way the stuff between Margot and Princess unfolded. Like, I really liked her early anger over being treated like, you know, some goods to be exchanged for peace with Loria or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, okay, no, Margot is definitely not a virgin. So, right, like, <laughs> and, and she yeah. would take offense to being called a virgin. But yep. it felt really out of character for her to go from, I'm not interested in a, in a what did she call them, like a barbaric, barbarian magic frat boy, boy or whatever yeah, yeah who's unclear on the concept of consent to like let's get it on just because he challenges he basically like challenges her to a sex duel he's like he negs her right yeah <laughs> he sits there and he's like mm, you couldn't possibly be good in bed like margo has insecurities yes absolutely but she also has a shit ton of self-respect and i just can't see her being like you're a little shit I don't want anything to do with you to being like, yes, I will get in bed with you because you told me I wasn't good enough. Yeah. But the, the, the way I interpreted it, uh, interpreted it as was it was on her terms. Like, yeah, I get that it was yeah. burned because he was like, Oh, you can't do this. La la la. He was being super like misogynistic and weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that he stood like super still while she was the one that like, dominated him, I guess, in that conversation and was like, oh, I am so much more than you even know I am. Mm. Like, it was very, like, a powerful moment for her, I guess, just with her own sexuality and being so confident in herself. And so I and I get it, and I think you're right. I didn't love... It was a really fast, yeah. uh, a little bit jarring change of yeah. pace for her, but I also see how it was good for her character to kind of dominate yeah. him in that conversation. And I think what you're saying about it being fast, it, it, that actually is a lot to do with like what I'm feeling. Because I think if they'd drawn that out, it would have felt more like more like them like sparring verbally and like developing a relationship over both being kind of like uh, domineering people. Yeah. Um, and like, ha- right, like it could come out of a lot of confidence if they drew it out more over time, rather than coming out of like insecurities in the moment yeah but yeah there's a lot other stuff that happened with margo and and she i mean you were right her lines are just amazing did you want to say more about that um yeah just really everything she said this episode is like you said and what olivia said when she was on it's so quotable i guess there's a lot of really good margo lines you see a lot more of the janet i think and that's what a lot of people have been saying about the season is a lot of it's Janet from the books and yeah. how she would do this kind of stuff. And I really like that it's kind of getting to roots with the character that Margot's based on. Yeah. I think it makes sense that that would come out in a Loria storyline. Yeah, exactly. And like even at the beginning, like her softer moments when uh, Q's doing the dance and he's like, <laughs> it's Cirque du Soleil. Like, it's what she was sad. And she's like, oh, that just made my heart hurt a little. Like, yeah. And then he's like, shut up. And she's like, I was being sincere. She was like, I legitimately. <laughs> I 
like, I yes, that's sweet. That's such a cute, yeah. sweet thing. And like, I don't think that's something that she ever saw between Q and Alice. And it's not something we really saw. It's something that was more behind the scenes and very, when they're just alone together. Yeah. And I like that that's something that they introduced as well, that they have these little. Yeah. I think that reminded me of a lot of those, those early scenes in the book where they're before they've gotten together. And when they're just starting to get together, um, where they just, I don't know. It had the same feel of some of those conversations that they're having. Alice yeah. and, and Quentin. I liked the idea that there was just this this goofy, sweet thing that he did to cheer yeah, her Yeah, just to make her smile. Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, And that's such a cute thing to do, I feel like. It really is. To, like, make, a, make an idiot of himself to cheer somebody up. <laughs> Especially since I feel like that's something that he thinks about a lot. Yeah around other people that it's yeah. something he's comfortable enough doing in front of Alice to make her feel happy. And I think that was probably something she understood and it's probably why it made her laugh because yeah. she, they were both just that comfortable being around each other. Yeah. And I think you're right that it is something that would make him self-conscious around other people. I think that's why he reacts so strongly when, when Margot says like, it makes her heart hurt. It's why he's like yeah. assuming Shut that up. somebody like Margot <laughs> is just gonna, yeah, that she's just got like barbs out and she's like, gonna be mean about whatever <laughs> like whatever yeah. she can be mean about um yeah. he's waiting for somebody like her to jump down his throat because he is insecure about like how somebody who is that cool and confident i'm using air quotes but the listening audience <laughs> can't hear it um yeah. right like would perceive him i think that's i, I kind of wish that we got to see a little more of of that dynamic i hope we will as the as the season goes on i hope so too and and I do love that the and this is going back to before when yeah. I'm a little bit scattered um, <laughs> that the Loria story that the Loria War is starting because I'm pretty sure it's hopefully that's either next episode or the episode after I think it'll be the episode after because the heist is next yeah. episode yeah but when they go to war yes. I'm like 99 percent sure there's going to be an insane musical number oh that's and right I'm, we haven't had the musical episode yet. <gasps> nope, everyone kind of forgot about it once the Beast was seeing in episode two. Oh my god, if that yeah. were the Loria War episode, oh and my I god. Is because I'm pretty sure it's going to be one day more from Les Mis. Oh my god. I, I, even, I, I totally that. forgot that's going to... Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I think while they're fighting, it's going to be yes. like a one day more Les Mis kind of... I also, I really love that battle thing. scene in the books. Like, I love the... It's like the height of Elliot, uh, both like taking his role as king seriously and also like having this very rigid idea in his head of what it means to be a king, which is very um, stylized and put on, right? It's a very Elliot. Yes. <laughs> that that fight scene in the books is so much of the Elliot that I see as king. He's like, I got to... I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to beat you fashionably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Ugh. Me too. And I really want to see Fergus's spectral armory yes! at some point in the show. Oh my God. I wanted, I wanted to see Alice do it and it didn't happen. And I want to see Elliot do it for the battle. I hope oh my God. at some point we get to see that because I'm really excited to see how that would look should they do it. Oh, God. There, there's going to be so much beautiful magic in that. And I want to see all the tuts that go with it, too. <laughs> oh, 
I agree. But like also speaking of Tuts, I get <laughs> a little bit like bothered when people who aren't the main cast do it because it's <clears throat> obviously they don't get to practice as much and they're not oh. used to doing it. But like when Dana was uh, putting up rewards after oh, yeah. uh, Haxon Paxson was gone, it was very just like she was just kind of waving her hands like <laughs> and choo, like choo, it, it, choo, it didn't choo. seem yeah it didn't seem very like the magic I'm used to where it has to be exact and precise and has to do these right angles and stuff. It was she was yeah. just kind of like mm, there you go and really, the words were. Speaking of the words, though, I really like the way that they've been representing the words, like with all of the little mathematical the things in this. Right, because yeah. it reminds me of that of of that part in the third book where, um, spoiler alert, that's exactly how I sort of imagined it looking. I really love that they have the actual equations on them. At some point, I'm going to have to look at them and see if they make any sense or if they're just bullshit. They're probably just bullshit. But yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and like when the Beast was um, unpicking... Uh, Marina's wards in episode three. Yeah. I thought it was really cool that you just like kind of move this and add this in and kind of edit this and move yeah, this and, around. And, and they go one at a time, but also they affect each other, right? Like yes. you have to you have to get it right. Or um, ha- did you ever watch Star Trek Voyager? Probably not. You're. I don't young. think so. Okay, I watched Star Trek Voyager. Somebody who listens, I'm sure, watched Star Trek Voyager. Um, there's a, a Vulcan game called Kelto, which is basically like if chess and Jenga had a baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of that. It's the same thing. Like you, you move one piece and it alters the entire configuration and how stable oh, okay. it is and everything like that. Yeah. I, I've always loved the way that since, um, they took down the wards when, um, in the world in the walls in season one, mm-hmm. when, uh, they took down the break bulls wards and you kind of see them zigzagging across the whole campus. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really glad that that's how all of them look when it's, around Marina's house, when it's around Dana's house, even the personal wards, it's yeah. not quite the same, but it's the little lines that kind of grow. And I yeah. really like the way that, that it's portrayed. Yeah. I think that, I think it's a really great choice for an effect and it, it, it makes the world seem magical, right? Like it, it's exactly what you sort of expect of the magical world that it's, it's something that you notice only if you're really looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that sort of subtlety. Okay, um, anything else you want to mention before we move on to fashion? Yeah, just really quick. I love that Alice's mom is the mom from Halloween Town. Judith oh. Hogue <laughs> is a part of my childhood from ni- since 1998, and I love that that's Alice's mom and that she's getting back to her, like, magical roots. <laughs> that's really cool. I, I don't, what, is, I, what is Halloween Town? Are you going to? Oh, have you not seen Halloween Town? I mean, I guess that makes sense. I don't sense. think so. But um, it's a Disney Channel original movie. (laughs) No, you're not. Um, It's a Disney Channel original movie. It comes on every Halloween. There's there's three of them. I like to say that because I like to pretend the fourth one doesn't exist. Uh Um, But there's there's four of them. And it's basically about a young girl who's a witch. And uh, she finds out. um, Debbie Reynolds is in it. Debbie Reynolds plays her grandma. Oh, wow. And they're just fun, cute, like Halloween movies. They go to Halloween Town and she learns magic, and it's like it's one of those. Oh, cool! Things. But they're they're really good and they're really sweet. But the mom's the uh, is Alice's mom. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I really liked. I mean, I liked seeing Alice's parents again. I also I liked the whole like mirror charm thing and. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and I really liked that scene, especially with with Alice's mom, um, really sort of having to. 
to face what her daughter thought of her. Yeah. And how, and she also, how she knew about it too. She always, even though, but she didn't try to change it. Yeah. Yeah. She couldn't, she couldn't really face it or acknowledge it. I guess, right. Like that, that was a moment of growth. And I don't know. I really like those moments in the show. I agree. Especially when we've only seen her twice, you know, it's a good, it's, I'm glad that she got to kind of see, I mean, see herself in a mirror, you know, she got to, I know (laughs) she had to face (laughs) herself. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, figure that out. Also, Summer is in uh, the fourth Halloween Town movie. I just remembered. Okay, she cool. Plays, she plays a genie in the fourth one. Oh god. <laughs> so oh, that's I'm gonna, funny. Okay, I will have to look these up. Um, before we move on, actually, I remembered there was something else that I wanted to talk about. Benedict. Oh yes, Benedict. <laughs> no, 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 yep. no, Benedict. Oh, Benedict. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, it was so. <laughs> cute when he got, oh, when he the made map. the map and it said oh. to penny on it and oh, like really pretty so calligraphy <laughs> oh yeah i love that i feel like too penny penny in this episode was a very different penny than we've seen before like he wasn't the penny that we saw before fillery he's not really the penny that we saw in fillery he's like he became kind of like this joker yeah it's very post fillery penny yeah, post Philly, well, or post hands, whatever the shit whatever, is going down yeah. with them. But like, I really, I liked the the scene that we played for the cold open, um, where he's in Margot's dream, and he's just like, he's just bemused the entire time. He's like, whatever's <laughs> happening, I'm cool with it. Go with the flow. Got my hands back. We're good. <laughs> no one's trying to kill him. No one. I mean, he's just like, <laughs> cool. I'm out of immediate danger. I can travel. Like whatever, I'm. Yeah, I can. I can afford to joke around now. I guess. Though I do wonder how he can, because right, like he can't use his hands for other magic, and I guess maybe mm-hmm. his hands aren't involved in his traveling magic. But I don't know. Kind of yeah, wondering no, that how that's working. A little strange, especially when he. Yeah, when in the previous episode. First, yeah. And he was traveling, and he couldn't control it as well. But I think it's that has something to do with the magic that he was doing with his hands was interacting mm. wrong with the magic of his traveling or something like that. But that's all just kind of assumption. We don't really know. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense though. Um, I really liked in that opening scene, right? Like I, he is absolutely right to like make Margot owe him a favor. And I really hope that that comes back to us. I really hope that Me we too. have to see that. I, and I was going to say that when we were listening to the to the clip, I was like, I hope that that's something that he keeps, and he that later on he's like, hey, remember that time I saw that dream? And you owe me, so help me do this, you know? Because I love, I would love for Margot and uh, Penny to go on their own little side quest, just them. Yes, too. yeah, I feel like right, like they've been treated as these sidekick characters for so long, and I, they're getting more screen time, and they're getting more attention. But I really want to see them. I, I think they're on the same level in a lot of ways, and I really want to see them play that out. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Benedict making the maps. That was so <laughs> cute. Yeah. I'm I'm a little disappointed that he's not the Benedict of the books, the, who is, like, much more Quentin-like and kind of surly. I also, I really loved um, when Rosalind, this is a free trader friend of ours, did the Benedict cosplay. Um Oh I, yeah, I like. I, I would have. I would have been really cool if they had cast uh, Benedicta instead. I think I would have enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> but Harvey Gwilin, is that how you say his name? Gwilin. I don't uh, know. I don't Harvey, know. whatever his name, who plays Benedict. 
I, I do enjoy him. I think he's a lot of fun. And that moment where like the the Lorian illusion comes down. <laughs> oh, and he's just like, oh, oh yeah. poor Benedict. Poor Benedict. He just wants to make maps. <laughs> he just wants to make accurate maps. He just wants accurate to maps, maps. reflect the way Fillory looks. <laughs> and it was cool when it went up too, and he's like, Do you realize what this means? Nobody has ever mapped this before. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a nerd. I love it. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> cute. I'm glad that he's that he wasn't just in the one episode, yeah. and then like we're not going to see him again until later. I'm glad he's kind of always around until yeah. you know we need him for certain plot lines. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so shall we move to fashion? Yes. All right. Any favorites from you? Uh, all of Margot's clothes. Oh my as god. Pre- I want them. I want want all of it. That one at the beginning of the episode, she's wearing this like mustard yellow corset that's got like little burgundy satin details and lacing Mm -hmm. and these like burgundy riding pants and this burgundy, uh, what would you even call it? A cloak, I guess? Yeah, I guess. It's like a... Velvet... It's regal. It's regal. That's what it is. Yeah, (laughs) And And I just... Go ahead. Oh, I just want all of it. That's all. I want oh. I want I want to wear that outfit every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I like when she uh declares war on Loria, her outfit towards the oh, end. Oh yeah. Is that is that is that the same one that she's wearing in the middle, the like greenish gold dress with the lace gold lace shoulder, or is it a different one? I believe it's the same one where she has a train but it doesn't like start to her waist and it like yeah. goes but yeah. it's not, like long. It's yeah, like before cool. that it's it's oh. more like a jacket up top. It's got the like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Summer posted on Instagram that that was her favorite look from this season, and I totally understand why. Mm-hmm. It was uh, <laughs> all of the royalty clothing has been. It awesome. really has. It really has, and Margot's especially. I mean, I think like Elliot's stuff is is great, but I think Margot's feels like it's something that that she would wear every day if only she got the opportunity. And so yeah. now she has the opportunity, and she's doing it. Whereas I feel like. Elliot might miss his vests a little bit. Oh, I guarantee you he misses his vests. <laughs> oh, the way he saw Todd wearing his vest, he was so disgustingly upset <laughs> that he misses those vests so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, I'm also really noticing Finn's... Finn is looking more badass these days. Yeah, I was um, watching the behind-the-scenes thing and that neck piece that she's wearing. Oh, my God. Oh, that was and even when I was watching the episode, I was like, "Oh, look at her! She is yeah. being Princess of Fillory." And then uh, when she talks about it in the behind the scenes stuff, I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's she's looking good." What did she say in the behind the scenes? It was just she was like, "Have you? I don't think you've ever seen anyone wear a necklace like this, like or a neck piece." Uh-huh. She was like, "This makes me feel like I'm really like part of Fillorian royalty," and she just kind of talks about the big uh, oh, when she's wearing that pink dress yeah. and she's got mm-hmm. this big. Yeah, uh, next, and I yeah, really I liked that it. Outfit. Even when watching the episode, I remember being like, "Wow, like, yeah, what is that? What's going?" Me too. And on? watching it the second time, I also noticed she and Elliot match now. So since since she announced that she's pregnant, now like their outfits this episode were all matched. So he was wearing like this red and gold jacket with this um, like almost coral. Um, shirt underneath, and she was wearing a coral dress with this like red and gold collar, whatever you call yeah. it, the uh, necklace thing. The neck piece, yeah. That, yeah. And 
You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was something that Elliot was like, oh, we're going to match now. Oh, yeah, I would totally pregnant. be pregnant. We're that. putting on a united front as a family. We're all going to wear the same colors. And Finn was just like, okay. Yeah, though I also, <laughs> I think the, like, more badass, like, the badassness of that necklace, I feel like that has to be intentional. Like, everything we've oh, heard absolutely. about Magali, who's the costume designer, leads me to believe that this is going to be, like, this is this is a portent of things to come. Yes, yeah. So and I, and I and I like that Finn's getting her own storyline yeah. with the Foo Fighters and with Baylor and I like that she has because she's right she has had a life before she never knew if Elliot was ever going to show up yeah you know and now that he did her whole life had to change as well as his and that's something that he also has to realize that it's not all about his life before yeah. Fillory it's her life before him yeah and I think he's also right like. Elliot has to has to do something in that scene that I don't think any of us ever thought Elliot would have to do, which is he has to face his own kind of internalized misogyny because he's yeah he's pretty good for the most part, but like in that moment you're seeing that like he's suddenly pissed off that she had a life beforehand that she had right like that there were things I mean he's saying it's because he didn't know and I'm sure that's part of it but I do think some of it is he was viewing her up until now as kind of an ornament right like this yeah this sidekick or whatever this 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 sort of add-on to his life instead of as a full person yeah and now he has to sort of deal with the fact that she's a person and he also has to reconcile what he thinks about himself with the fact that he wasn't treating her as a full person. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, also fashion. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, the difference at ghost Alice was looking really creepy with her eye makeup. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But I also love, and I said this in uh, episode three, Niffin Alice and mm-hmm. her highlighter, like on her face, oh, it yeah. makes her look super like sheeny. Uh-huh. I guess she has a nice, like, it's uh, just the sheen on her face. She has a good glow. So, like, yeah, it's, and it's so. An unearthly glow. It's like a special effect. Yeah, it's yeah. an actual just makeup. It, she's got that glow of, and in the books, anytime they talk about gods and people who are really powerful, they've got this phosphorescent glow yeah. about mm-hmm. them. And that's kind of how I feel when I look at Alice when she has, when she's full niffin and she's got the glowy blue under the skin effect. Yeah, she's got that nice highlighter that kind of gives her that glow, an air of yeah, sort of demonic power. Yeah, yeah, and I really like the way that they do her makeup, um, especially as not Alice, you know, as this kind of as Alice's pure magic. So I really like the way that they do that. I hope they keep that as she becomes more integrated into the season. That Mm -hmm. would at least help a little with with the like normal normalization issues. Yeah, and, and and but I don't know, like, because in the preview for next episode, she looks ghost Alice again instead of, like, Nithin mm. Alice. So I mm. don't know what the difference, or if that's just her doing that to kind of fuck with people, or if <laughs> there's a legitimate difference between, like, her, like, if there's still a part of Alice that's there that's, you know, trying to break through and the magic of her Niffin is kind of suppressing it or like mm. what's going on. But it's interesting to see what, how that's going to play out. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that. Any other fashion notes? No, not really. Not, not for this episode. Everyone else's uh, fashion seemed pretty I know, consistent. 
what they've Everything been doing. Everything pales in comparison to Margot in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> except for that except for that Fen necklace, right? Like <laughs> Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Um and and of course Alice who literally pales in comparison to Margot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um okay, MVP time. So Danny asked me to do two things in her absence. One was to talk about domestic wickoff, which we did. Um, the other was to tell the world that her MVP is Summer. And I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I 100% agree with Danny on this one. Summer stole the show. What did you think? <laughs> I agree. I have my notes uh, pulled up, and it says MVP of the ep is definitely Margot because fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, don't fuck with the queen. <laughs> yep, Margo, Summer, Margo, Summer as herself, and Margo, and as Margo, she just, she was definitely the best character of this episode. Yeah, it's, I, I always feel bad when we all agree, just because I'm like, I feel like we should have some tension and fight it out and, like, have a conversation about, you know, why why everyone is wrong except for us. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> Here, here's what it is. If anybody doesn't think Margot doesn't think Summer was the MVP of this episode, I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, before we go to ratings, is there anything else that you want to talk about in the episode at all? Um, the only other thing I feel like deserves a mention is is almost like a little MVP moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be eclipsed by Margot was Katie punching Dana in the face. Was so oh. great! <laughs> yes, we've seen that part in the uh, in the previews for this uh, season, but seeing it happen in all of its context when she could use magic and she was like, "Okay, then catch these hands," and just punches <laughs> her in the face. Oh, it, that was good. Someone tweeted during the episode, like, "Who needs magic when you have a when you have like an open palm or something like that?" Yeah, <laughs> like when you have magic fists or something. Yeah, like exactly that. right. And I feel like that's exactly true. It's just like Katie's like. I don't give a shit what's going on here. I am rescuing my girl. <laughs> yep. And, but I also love that she's like, yeah, she tried to throw battle magic and it didn't work. She wasn't like, oh, no, what do I do? She was like, no, okay. No, she was like, instantly. Just like punched her in the face. Like, exactly. It's, I, I and that's really Katie. Streets, okay? Yeah, Katie is a badass. <laughs> um, yeah, good episode for, for women not to be fucked with, for sure. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So if that's it then, ratings, I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. I really liked this episode. I think it, right, like, the the third one, the one, the third and fourth ones, the one where Alice goes niffin and the sort of aftermath of that are still my favorite ones of the season so far. But this was pretty good. Yeah, I would have to, um, maybe like a seven and a half out oh, of 10. Tough critic. <laughs> so what, what gets rid of that extra half point? It's just like what we talked about with all the Alice stuff. I just wish there was more room for Quentin to grow without Alice around, yeah. without having to be tied to her and always having her kind of just around. He needs his own personal time to grow and kind of accept that this is how things are happening. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I asked Danny what her, if she wanted me to share her rating. And, um, I actually I asked her literally right after I wrote mine down. So I wrote eight out of ten, and then I asked her, and she was like, mm, an eight out of ten." So I think we're all pretty much on the same page about this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also feel like the last time I was here, my critic, my rating was just like really high. Like, we've, we've, it's time to 
we got to cut down. <laughs> I know we got to. I feel like I've got to be a little bit more. We get tough. I've got to dissect it more. Yeah, a little tougher. <laughs> um, okay. Well, on that note, that's it for this week, free traders. Dom, thank you so much for being here, um, of listeners. Course. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. Rate us on iTunes. Um, we love those five-star ratings. Um, thank you to... Somebody gave us a new one this week, so thank you to... What is your name? Uh, Feral Audio Enthusiast for that. Um, really excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, and join. Uh, don't forget to join us next week to uh, listen to Jade talk to us about episode 207. Bye! Ooh, Katie! Bye. Yeah, Katie! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>